Amen. <laughs> Welcome home. No, it's really great when they, when they like switch on the lights. I wish you could see you, you know, when, when everything's dilating and everything is. Uh, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, welcome home. Uh, Acts chapter 9, that's where we are. Um, whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or you're just checking out, uh, the claims of Jesus. We're glad you're here. This is the place to do it. Um, you know, as uh, I just want to say, Eric being up there uh, and Ryan being gone, we got Rustin over here for, for Ryan Wright. This church has bench depth, strength, and, and it's just getting better and better as people uh, see their gifts. We're going to talk a little bit about that and getting plugged in. Uh, it's just wonderful. I appreciate all of you, and thank you. We're continuing a message from last week that's called Healed for Action. So this is Healed for Action 2, okay? I can tell the excitement, you know. You're picturing Steven Seagal is going to come out at any time, but he's not. Um, Those of you who weren't here and those of you who texted through the message last week, yeah, yeah, I know, and you know who you are, um, uh, we want to just take a minute and, and catch up and make sure everybody's on the same page. So here it is. I told you that occasionally my mother-in-law will visit from New Orleans, and when she does, uh, she wakes up at 3.15 uh, when only the bats and the owls and the neighbor's dog are up. And she has nothing to do, so what she does is that she rearranges our kitchen, right? And she puts the glasses where the cereal cupboard is, and, uh, of course, the pots are now where the Tupperware bin goes. And that is also the place where I used to hide the Google clusters. And the Google clusters have now mysteriously disappeared. Are you seeing the connection? And I hope you don't need any silverware because who knows where that is. Oh, here it is, in the junk drawer. So now good luck finding the dead AAA batteries and the rubber band ball and the kazoo because, Right? She has messed with our lives. And we connected that to the call of Jesus for us to press into him, to collide with him, to have him get up at hours when we least expect it, and to rearrange our silverware, to move our lives around, to totally transform our attitudes, our way of doing things, our way of thinking, transform our hearts from which everything that we do and say and feel flows. And we talked about the fact that, unfortunately, that's not where we are a lot of times. Um, We would prefer, uh, like, uh, a relationship at a distance. We would prefer a casual connection, an arm's-length encounter with Jesus to make sure we're still on good terms, but to make sure that he doesn't get close enough to sand off our rough edges, to lead us out of destruction and into life, to mess with the way we've done things because we've done it that way for a long time, and we're good at it. And whether or not that's the path of life or the fullness of his will or his plan for us, we don't like change. And so what we, what we want to look at here and what we want to cultivate is that desire to press into him to be transformed. So the last text that we took a look at in, uh, in Acts chapter 9 was Peter on a road trip. He's visiting the church in Lydda. 
And in Lydda, he finds this guy named Aeneas who has been in the same bed for eight years because he's paralyzed. And Peter says three mind-blowing things to Aeneas really quickly. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Now, Jesus has already died and been married and rose again. So Jesus Christ is there. He heals Aeneas. He says, rise, stand up, rise, live the resurrection life, and make your bed. Now, those are all awesome things, except making the bed that's not as awesome. Um, I've done it before. I can tell you that by experience. But because of the risen Jesus, Peter has been used to heal him. And thinking that on the surface, this text would have direct implications in your life if, you know, I mean, here, a guy was paralyzed, he's healed. So if you're Christopher Reeve, if you're uh, John Locke on Lost before the oceanic thing, you know, if you're Joe Swanson, the quadriplegic paralyzed wheelchair guy in the family guy, this passage would have a lot of implication for you on the surface, right? Because you have some paralysis physically. But it's more than that. There's a deeper takeaway. And we looked at this. We dove into this. Uh, it's not just physical paralysis. Um, the, the thing that we really have to look for, um, that life collision, that pressing into Jesus, and that transformation is to heal us of our spiritual paralysis. And we talked about progressive sanctification, not just receiving Christ, not just being made right before him as he takes our record of sin and disobedience and destruction and gives us his record of righteousness through his finished work on the cross, but throughout our lives, going through and transforming us into his image so that we can live out all the beautiful truths and, and experience and live in and walk in all the victory that he purchased for us on the cross. So he's unpacking that in our lives through a progressive sanctification. And he, he heals us from the paralysis of our faith. Before we go into Acts, I just want to take a look at the scripture for progressive sanctification, one of many throughout the Bible that we looked at. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Rustin, if you bring that up, here it is. And we all, listen to this. This is a great plan, a great plan. And it's for you, and it's for me. Here we go. And, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, that's looking at Jesus, beholding him, pressing into him, are being transformed into the same image, looking like him, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If your life could be defined as, as looking into the beauty and the awesomeness and the face and the glory of Jesus Christ and being transformed into his image, and you could say that your life is about moving from one degree of glory to the next until you're swallowed up in glory, that's a pretty good plan. That's a pretty good plan. The question is, that's not always what we walk in. But if we allow Jesus to come in, to heal, uh, to transform us, and, and, and we become not content to be stuck in the life that we have. I mean, think about, we're, we're, we're not content to be stuck in, in many different areas of our lives, right? But there are some that we are. I mean, ladies, uh, what are you not content to be stuck in? Maybe, maybe your appearance, right? What if, I mean, could you come to grips with, okay, 
the way you look now, that's as good as it's ever going to get. That's as good as it's ever. You're having a bad hair day? Tough. It's never going to get better. Those problem areas, they're never going to firm up. Okay, I'm not shooting at you because I'm going to get to the men, okay? Fashion-wise, would you, would you, men or women, be willing to be stuck there forever? Stuff that's in your closet, you're living off that for the rest of your life. Be okay for me because I got fat clothes, skinny clothes. I, but fashion-wise, not so much, right? Shoes, you're about to lose your mind if you think about that. You're never getting another pair of shoes because you're stuck. You're stuck. A lot of you ladies, if you're dating some guy or you're married, he's your project. He's never getting any better. (laughs) You willing to be stuck there? I don't think so. Men, money. You're never going to make any more. Price is still going up. Your salary is locked in. I saw enough of those of us who are still fortunate enough to have jobs. We like freaked out when there was like a salary freeze. You're not getting a raise. You're not getting a bonus. You're not getting, there's no hope. Never. You want to be stuck there? The career ladder, like somebody went and cut all the rungs off above you. It ain't going anywhere. And that boss that drives you nuts is always going to be your boss the rest of your life. They're going to live to 150. <laughs> be your boss the rest of your life. Those of you who are unfortunate either to not work by choice or to be looking for work, you're frozen, you're stuck, you will never make it to the next level of World of Warcraft, ever. (laughs) You willing to have that? You're stuck in golf. You'll never improve. Well, that, that, that goes without saying, nobody ever does. Those who are lousy today, you check with them 15 years, they're gonna be lousy. It doesn't, it save your money. Okay. Why are we willing, why is this the condition of the American church? That we're content, many of us, to enter into a relationship with Christ and willing to throw it into park and to get stuck there. When his will for us is to continually be holding his glory, to be transformed into him, his image, and lead us into life from one degree of glory to the next. Great plan. This word of God is calling us into it. And um, what we saw, what we saw last week, we got a story about Peter who's healing Aeneas. And it's not a story about Peter. And it's not a story about Aeneas. It's a story about Jesus. And it's a story about you and me. And and today we're going to look at a a passage that follows directly after that with Peter doing an even more wonderful miracle in the life of a woman named Tabitha. And it's not about Peter and it's not about Tabitha. Once again, it's about Jesus and it's about you and me. So we're going to read the passage, then we're going to pray, and then we'll walk through it together verse by verse. Excuse me. Okay. Acts 9. Let's pick it up in verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, 
urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and he went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And she gave him, she gave, he gave her his hand and raised her up. And then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. This is your power. Um, With it and in it, by the leading of your Holy Spirit, we can be led into your presence to behold the beauty of Jesus Christ And when we do that together, the unexplainable happens. You transform our hearts. You change us into the image of your son more and more. And you put us on a track lined up with your will and our joy to go from glory to glory. Lord, um, such wonderful things um, we can hardly imagine. And yet that's what you offer us this very morning. So I'd ask you to block anything that would oppose that, any evil, any thoughts, any pretensions, any doubt. Have your way with us, Lord. Open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, and change us. We are so grateful in your beautiful name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Um, Let's, let's walk through this, starting in verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. Now, Joppa, uh, real quickly, uh, is uh, about 12 miles from where Peter was. He was in Lydda. Now, Joppa is a port city. Uh, it serves Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. So they're on the water. It's nice real estate. But uh, a, a lot of boats coming in and a lot of trade, Okay. So in Joppa, there is a disciple named Tabitha. Now, Tabitha is a Syro-Chaldaic name. Um, Tabitha also became very popular with the 1950s, 60s uh, wonderful series called Bewitched. And uh, if you grew up in a very fundamentalist household, you don't know what I'm talking about because many of the fundies uh, probably boycotted that because, as we know well, all of the God resistance and all the evil in our country stemmed directly back from that series. Um, glad we're fighting the right battles. So, um, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated into Greek means Dorcas. Right. <laughs> Emily, right. Right? I mean, that's just wrong. I mean, really? I went through middle school being called something a lot like that. That's just wrong. Um, okay? They call... <laughs> this... Um, can you see her? Like, with, why did they translate it? Did, you know, Tabitha. It's kind of intriguing. It's nice. It's Dorcas. Hmm. 
This is like further proof that scripture has been protected from error and change. I know those of you who watch the History Channel, you, you, you hear them say a lot that the early church fathers, the early church, they tampered with scripture, they changed it. Really? Really? I mean, don't you think if they were messing around with what it said, oh, Dorcas would have been in there with an eraser writing Tabitha everywhere it says Dorcas? Don't you think? I do. She is named for beauty, and this is in her character because both Tabitha and Dorcas, whether we're in the Syro-Chaldaic or Greek, mean the same thing. It means antelope or deer, doe, beautiful, beautiful. That's what it means, and we're going to see that in her character, in, in her life, in the outpouring of who she is. And so now you're putting this all together. You know she dies. You know she's named after a deer. You're saying, I live in Gunnison. Chances are she died at night on Highway 50 between sergeants and, and Gunnison on the hood of a car. Not so. Not so. Let's finish verse 36. We'll see what we do know about her. She was full of good works and acts of charity. This is not just a byproduct, something she does in her spare time. This is the full essence of this woman. She is a spiritual superhero. But she, she's an example to all of us, man or woman. She is full of good works and acts of charity. The acts of charity is not just philanthropy. It's not just giving. It, it implies that her, her heart was moved by those who had the least. She, she, was, she saw people in need. She looked for them, and she would go do everything that she could. We know people like this. Um, but this was Tabitha. This is what she did. This is the whole of her world. God had so touched her. Uh, and because she is a disciple... Uh, I, um, now, it's very interesting. There were many disciples who were women, but I believe Scripture is pointing us to this woman. This is the only place in the New Testament where the word disciple is attached specifically to a woman's name. So, so this is pointing up the importance of her, but because she's a disciple, she's doing these good works, these acts of charity, not to get Jesus to accept her, but because of the cross, he already does. So these good works, these acts of charity are not to gain God's approval, but because she has God's approval, they're in celebration of that. They're in gratitude for that. That's our life. That's our life. It's not like she pictured, you know, she's, she's a seamstress. We've been through this. She's a designer. She makes beautiful clothes. It's not like Jesus is coming to her and going, okay, Dorco, um... How many shirts you got for me this week? How much you been cranking out? Oh, 15, huh? Well, I guess I'll hear your prayers in this week. If it was 14, we'd have to talk, but it's 15, okay. And as stupid as that sounds, as dumb as that sounds, isn't that how many of us kind of work with Jesus? Isn't that how many of us do discipleship and link our good works, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. I haven't had my quiet time in three days. Three days. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to have a triple quiet time next week, and that ought to do it. Yeah, 
yeah, okay, uh, I went out to a party, I got a little tipsy, I kissed a girl who wasn't my girlfriend, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to two small groups this week, and I'm going to double tithe. Yeah, that'll do it. He'll be happy with me again. Okay, that's a bad example because none of you have tried to gain God's approval by double giving. I happen to know that. Um, But um, (laughs) you get the point. Feel free to try, but that's not the point. Um, You don't have a quiet time. You don't go to small group. You don't give to try to earn God's approval. The message of the cross is you already do. He's earned it. He's paid for it. Let everything we do, everything we think, everything we give be in gratitude and celebration of the fact that God has called you sons and daughters. Not because we're, we're so deserving, um, but, but because we're really messed up. But more than that, we're so loved. We're so loved. And he's promised in that to unpack in our lives, to unfold in our lives, the character, the image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory in somebody like me, in somebody like you. That's it. That's it. She's a disciple. She's doing these things for the right reasons, right? Let's go to verse 37. Here we go. You're like, we're one verse in, dude. Oh, the roast is going to burn. In those days, she became ill and died. Okay, we need to do this really quickly. Good woman doing all kinds of things for God dies early. Gets sick and dies. Early. Young. Why? It's important that we know what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. My mother is one of the most godly women I have ever known. She lost, she was abused by her father growing up, lost two babies after they were born. My father died when she was 42. Mary Perkins, beautiful lady who goes to this church. We're praying for her. Here's the doctor say, it's malignant. Mike Perman, a man whom my daughter thought might be an angel, okay, comes to this church, becomes our missions coordinator. He was a lousy missions coordinator because he heard God calling him to go to the mission field. He wasn't lousy. He just got so swept up in it, he couldn't sit at a desk and, and, and just manage other people who were going out there and loving people in Jesus' name. His son, his son, testicular cancer, died two weeks ago. A dad is not supposed to outlive his children. Ray and Sabrina, beautiful people. Beautiful people. Buried their daughter at 15. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not live to 100 years old, have straight teeth, financial prosperity, kids who don't get messed up. It's benign. You never have to worry about that. 
I'm looking out at two widows sitting next to each other. All right? That's the gospel. The gospel is you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but have no fear because I am with you. And I have overcome on the cross all the things that will overwhelm and break you. I have overcome the brokenness of the world. And in me, you will too. And if you will just look into my face, if you will just behold my glory, my love for you, I will be enough. And one day, one day, I'm going to make it right. I'm making a new heaven and a new earth, a new kingdom and a new creation. And I'm giving you glimpses in yourself. And I've given you each other to press into one another, to show each other how much I love you. Amen? I have heard so many people particularly in this independent kind of valley, which is cool in a lot of ways, but say, I can have my own relationship with God. I don't need the church. I do. I do. He never called us to walk this one alone. He said, walk with me, and I've given you my people to walk with you. And I'm leading you home. And we may be bruised and we may be scraped, but by his wounds, we're healed. That is the good news. That's what we're pushing all of our chips into the middle of the table on. Jesus Christ. So if anybody tells you that your car is going to get nicer and your kids are going are gonna, to, you know, all of a sudden straighten out. And you're going to get a promotion. You can fill a stadium with a message like that. But we got to go out in the world and live real life. And if Jesus experienced what he experienced with the joy of the Father... And we can too. Okay, okay. I didn't have any notes on that verse, so we actually didn't make any headway here, so get comfortable. Um, have a drink if you've got something with you. Okay, here we go. Um, in those days, she became ill and died. They washed her. They laid her in the upper room. They were preparing the body. See, she's been dead a while. This isn't like, you know, they get the clamps, clear. No, she's been, she's cold, you know, it's, it's bad. Um, she's in the upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa, uh, it's actually 12 miles, you know, so a pretty good walk. Um, if you're like me, it's a brisk before breakfast jog. Um, and hearing that Peter, 
really? Really, where's that coming from? And I love you, man, I do. I haven't been shy about that. The disciples hearing that Peter was there sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. If you are in the church, cry out for help right away. Okay? There's a lot of places, a lot of churches where if you're struggling, you're going to feel like you're the only one. Okay, here we're going to just peel off the veil. You're all messed up. And I am too. Some of you are better at hiding it. Stop hiding it. Because part of the healing is us helping each other to the cross. Okay, we need mercy. Here we go. We need compassion. Here we go. We need understanding. Here we go. Don't wait to cry out. Let's just be transparent about it. If you knew the help I needed, you wouldn't want to listen to my message. But if I really knew the depths of your need, I might not want to talk to you. None of that is true. We need to be honest about that, connect with each other and bring each other to Christ. Okay. Um, So Peter rose and he went with them. Here we could talk about a lot of things. I want you to remember that the most important thing is being available to God. Okay? Peter didn't say take a number. Peter didn't say, hey, look, I just uh, raised a guy from the bed eight months, uh, eight years rather. Uh, I need a break. No, he went. When he arrived, and, and by the way, you guys do that. You guys do that. This church is great at that. When, when the call goes out and there is a need, you rise up and you take action and it's beautiful. It's a picture of the gospel. And, and we're talking about whether somebody needs food, whether somebody needs rent, whether somebody needs utility stuff. I mean, you're always pouring in to the benevolence fund and that's great because there's a, a lot of need out there and there are people coming and Matt's dealing with them and taking them to the grocery and buying them a hotel room or, or clothes or finding them a job, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And, and when Marlene was in a spot and you rallied around, it was overwhelming. It's like a year's salary you provided. It was incredible. And then, and then you know, the, the, the house fire victims, people most of you had never met. And you're buying them stuff and furniture and, and iPods and clothing and, and you name it. And, and you know, Bradshaw's, they, you rally. You rally, and it's great, and, and that's what we're called to do, and that's what Peter's doing. He's going, and, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping. They're showing him tunics. Tunics are like gowns. That's the, the thing that the women would wear next to their skin, but underneath their cloaks, so dresses, if you will. You know, beautiful. They're showing all these things, and, and other garments. That's not undergarments. That's other garments. They're not modeling these things for people. I just don't, you know, some of you, I don't know what goes on when you hear, you're picturing your mind's eye. Uh, That Dorcas has made while she was with them. Okay, so I just want you to see this. She's living in Joppa. This is big trade port, right? She has this great ability to design and manufacture dresses, okay? So she could have made a lot of money. She could have put this on eBay, on Craigslist, shipped them out. The network is right there. But what's she doing? She's making these stunning garments. This is like first century, uh, first century, what, what do they call it? Project Runway, right? Am I right? 
And what's she doing? She's selling this stuff? No, she's getting together with the widows, the people who at that time were the most destitute. They did not have a man in this, in this very um, um, man-centric world. At this time, they did not have a man to provide for them, to protect them. They had no influence. In fact, the only people who were more vulnerable than the widows were the orphans. And she's lining up with those in the most need and she's clothing them. And she's giving to them. And that's what she's about. Um, Okay. And she had a gift. She had a talent. And she found the greatest glory, the greatest joy into giving it back to God by serving other people. That's why you can do what you can do. That's why Matt is great at teaching. That is why Ryan is great at music. That's why, uh, that's why Ryan Wright is, is a graphic guy. That's why our, our, our children's church teachers are great with kids. That's why you can cook. That's why you can build. That's why you can encourage. That's why you can uh, fix things. That's why you can build things. That's why you can run fast and throw a ball through a hit a hoop, or smack it through a goal, or any of those things you, you athletes do. Or, you know, that's why you can love babies and program computers and, and serve and, and, and have a business head. Why do you have the gifts that you can have? Because if we realize from whom they come, when he lines you up with that gift, that you use it for his praise, for his glory, for his celebration, by blessing others, that's when you get the largest fulfillment. Don't sit there and wonder, why can I do the things that I can do? This is why. Those gifts are subject to Jesus Christ, God the Father, for his glory, the blessing of his people, and those who are far from him. That's what we use them for. If you, if you haven't got a way to plug that in, design four forms. They're on the web. They're on the table. We'll get you plugged in. That's, that's the church. Okay, he puts them all out. Why is he doing that? Okay, here we go. Peter put them all outside, verse 40. You got a bunch of widows that are doing a fashion show, weeping and wailing for their friends. Pretty annoying, yeah? He puts them outside. Also, he remembers when Jesus was in a situation like this, he did the same thing. What does he do? He puts them outside and turning to the... He knelt down and prayed. Don't picture Peter like being all cocky and walking with swagger. He's never done this before. He's never done this before. I mean, I haven't been a pastor long, but when somebody calls and says, will you do my funeral? Um, sure. And they, how do you do that? You know, will you marry us? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm worried. I, I don't know. The first people I married, I'm not really sure they're married. You know what I'm saying? They're still together, but you know, I've talked to God a lot about it. Peter's never done this before. He's praying. He puts him out and he hits his knees. And he's not telling Jesus what he's going to do. He's asking Jesus what he's going to do. And apparently Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to raise her up. And turning to the dead body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and he raised her up. He said, Jesus said through him, 
Tabitha, arise. And if you were with us for Easter, some of you know that what you need is for Jesus to call your name and say, arise. Speak to the deadness in your life, in your heart, in your mind, and say, arise. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented to her, he presented her alive. Now this is a humble thing. He walks out the door. Peter's not going, superstar. You know, he's not, you know, whatever. He's not like, look what I can do. He's got her on his arm. He's probably weeping. Look what my Jesus does. And what happens? It became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. When he raised Aeneas from his bed, verse 35, and all the residents of Lydia, Lydda rather, and, and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Psalm 30, 11 through 12. This is the Jesus that you need to know. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. You've taken off my funeral clothes. And you've clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David is saying, you turn my mourning into dancing. You may not, or you may change my circumstances. Which is more miraculous? Change your circumstances to something you should be joyful about and you get joyful? or right in the midst of what you're going through to take off your funeral clothes and clothe you with the gladness of his presence. All right, we've gone a long time. There's a lot here. I want to ask you a couple questions. For whom does Jesus raise this woman? Was it for herself? No. Why not? Because she belonged to him. As soon as she took her last breath on earth, she was living it up in his presence. Bringing her back to life. You're going, look, no, Lord, I, I understand, I understand. But I've I been there, done that, you know? Bought the t-shirt. Made the t-shirt. Um, it wasn't for her. Who was it for? It's for others. It's for those who were without. It's for the widows. It's for the people in Joppa who still did not believe. Why do any of us, after we have accepted Christ, received him as Lord and Savior, after he has shown us his beauty and he is now our ultimate treasure, we have cast all of ourselves at the foot of the cross. We have trusted him. Why does he allow us to live? 
so we can have more neat experiences on this earth rather than the glory that is in his presence? No. Why do churches exist? Why are we still alive? For the people who don't know him yet. He raised her out of love and mercy for those who did not know him. He raised this man in the last passage from the bed for those in his city who do not know him. Why do we exist? Look at our purpose statement, that we may be missionaries so that all of Gunnison and all of Western may know Jesus Christ. That is the reason he has not taken us home yet, because there are those he loves whom we love who are not home in him yet. That's the reason we're allowed to continue and wake up another day. To go say, here's life. Come on, come on. A couple of questions I want you to wrestle with. What funeral in your life do you need Jesus to attend and ruin? That's what Jesus does. He shows up at funerals and he ruins them, right? Lazarus busted up that funeral. There was the uh, temple officer, Jairus, his daughter. That funeral didn't go so well. She got up. And the widow whose son was died, had died, raised him. Through Peter, Dorcas's funeral got ruined. What are you celebrating the funeral of in your life? What have you said? This is never going to change. This is dead and buried. It's a hope. It's a dream. It's an impossibility. It's a relationship that you have buried. It's a dream that you think you missed the opportunity. It's an opportunity to follow him when you think you've disqualified yourself. Let him show up to that funeral today and ruin it. By saying, arise. Are you in the position of the widows? And you need to cry out. You need to call for the church. You need to say, I need Jesus, and I need you now. Come. Are you in Tabitha's position where you have gifts, but you're not yes necessarily... Um, employing them for God's glory and the blessing of the church and those far from him? You can do that. Are you Peter who needs Jesus to go with you to bring life where there's death, to bring light where there's darkness, to bring hope where there's hopelessness? Yeah. Or are you in Tabitha's place where you need life where there's death? All of that is offered to you this morning. What's your role? Jesus was not finished with Tabitha because there were people who were not home yet. Jesus is not finished with me. Jesus is not finished with you because there are people who are not home yet. We got work to do, but it, it's pretty glorious. In fact, he would say, as we press into him, it's going from glory to glory to glory to glory.
That's the plan. It's for him. It's through us. It's for them. It's for each other. Do you not know that everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you to go love the whole community. Heck, maybe just the five people in your inner circle. If we did that, we'd have a thousand believers. Just based on who's here today. <laughs> Change the world? You bet. You bet. He's calling you to life. Let's respond to him. Let's pray. Lord, um, you are so good. You gently call us away from the way that we think is right. And your word says it seems right to you, but around the next corner there's death, there's dis destruction. And I came to line you up with life, not just now, but forever. And that we would not just be recipients of that, but agents of that. <laughs> That's a great blessing. And I have fallen short. Yeah. And so, Lord, there are those here like me who want to be used to reach out. There are those here who need to cry out. You know, we all have needs. We're all broken. And you've given us your spirit and your presence and each other to bear one another's burden. And we want to do that. We want to be transparent. Lord, there are followers here who, um, who need that, who need an infilling of your spirit. Lord, that's what we want. If that's you, raise your hand to God right now. Just If you're with me and, and you're hearing God speak into your heart and you say, that's what I need to do. I need to be responsive to him. I need to be using my gifts for him. I want to be used of him to reach a city, a college in a powerful way that brings light where there's darkness, that brings life where there's death, that brings hope where there's hopelessness, that brings freedom when there's imprisonment. Yeah, you believe and you want to go. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. We'll pray for you. There are some here who um, you're physically alive, but you know that in your heart that you're spiritually on your deathbed and you're hearing Jesus say maybe for the first time arise I am the life that you need I am that fulfillment that you've been craving I am that freedom that you seek I am that forgiveness that you're desperate for I died so that you could live come home me I'm not angry with you I just miss you come let me love on you I don't have a list of naughty or nice I have a list of those who have allowed me to love them fully and those who still resist and you hear them and you say I'm done with resisting I'm coming home in the quietness of this moment just Raise your hand to the Lord. Receive him. God bless you.
God bless you. God bless you. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. God bless you guys. I'm praying for you. If that's you and just having, um, let's, let's just go before and pour out our hearts. Lord, you are so good. In the midst of this brokenness, you're calling us. We hear you. We hear you. Thank you for opening our ears. And the best we know how, we're surrendering. Coming home. Forgive us, fill us, restore us. Let us take your hand and rise. And we'll walk together and speak life to one another until we're all home for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' blessed name, amen.